can you make a living teaching English in Madrid? Well, the short answer is yes. The long answer is yes, but it's complicated. This is a question I get asked a lot, and basically I'd like to address it today. You can make a decent but not glamorous living as an English teacher in Madrid and probably many other places in Spain. The long answer to the question is that it depends on what you're doing and what exactly you consider to be a living. I managed to survive on an English teacher's salary for 10 years. Eventually, I started an online business which is related to teaching but does not require me to be in front of students and does not require me to have a boss. I'm much better off this way, but it is possible and I did it for quite a while. The market is there, but the salary was hardly getting me rich. Plus, I didn't have kids, I didn't have a family, I didn't have a lot of material expectations for my life. That makes it a bit easier. I'm Daniel Welsh. This is the Spain to Go podcast, the best podcast in the entire multiverse about all things Spain. This is episode 25, and it's about teaching English. So I have an article on my website about the cost of living in Madrid. It probably needs some updating, but you should definitely take into account the cost of living in Madrid or wherever else you are in Spain when thinking about moving here or getting a job here. The cost of living is much lower than some other places you might be. It's much lower, you know, Madrid and Barcelona are expensive cities for Spain, but they're cheaper than London or New York or places like that. However, the salaries are also much lower. If you move here, you might end up scraping by on salaries that would not impress people back home. Once again, depending on where home is, there are plenty of people who move to Spain and earn much more than in their home countries. You might be one of them. I certainly am one of them. I was not doing very much back on the ranch in Arizona, so I ended up earning a lot more money here in Spain than I ever did back home. Your mileage may vary. However, my Spanish salary, it must be said, was still not impressive compared to those classy college-educated folks living back in the U.S. who wouldn't have been very excited earning what I was earning. In any case, the lifestyle I was able to afford on my minimal Spanish salary was great compared to the lifestyle I had back in Arizona. So it's all a bit of a trade-off. You can come to Spain, you can earn less, you can live a very good life anyway. Living abroad is a great experience and you'll certainly have fun. So here I'm going to present a few different ways that English teachers earn a living and the pros and cons of each. Are you ready? Let's go. First up, you can work as an au pair in Madrid. A lot of people come to Madrid or other cities in Spain to work as an au pair. I'm sorry about using Madrid as my example all throughout this. 
This is where I lived for the most time. Replace Madrid with any medium or large city in Spain, and we'll talk about the Madrid-Barcelona thing at the end. Anyway, a lot of people come to Spain to work as an au pair. If you're not familiar with the word au pair, it's sort of a babysitter or nanny with language skills. You'll spend a few hours a day with the kids, and you'll usually live with the family. You might be with the kids after school when the parents are still at work. The pay is pretty low. It's just a few hundred euros a month. But you've got room and board covered. You probably live with the family, and usually your mornings are free to take Spanish classes or what have you. You'll probably be playing with the kids and speaking English to them while you're doing it. This helps the kids to grow up in a bit more of a bilingual way. Most of the au pairs I know or have known in my days are female. They're mostly from English-speaking countries or the north of Europe. I mean Scandinavia, Germany, places like that. Most are under 25 years old, so there's that to take into account too. Some families, it must be said, are looking for French-speaking or German-speaking au pairs, if that is your case. A lot of people, for whatever reason, want their kids to grow up speaking another language. I should also mention I know a lot of Spanish girls who have gone up to Ireland to be au pairs up there, and I guess they speak some English and Spanish to the kids. You know, the kids learn a little bit of Spanish. The the au pairs learn a little bit of English, and everybody's happy. There are potentially other languages that are involved in au pairing here in Europe. I'm not really sure. I am also guessing that there are some men and some people over 25 working as au pairs as well. You can check online for agencies. The spelling, in case you're completely out of the loop here, is A U. P-A-I-R. I think it's a French word. I don't know what it means. It is just a word that is used to refer to these babysitters with language skills or nannies with language skills. Anyway, a lot of people have great experiences as au pairs. They get to live in Spain for a while. They can learn Spanish, have an adventure, maybe save a little bit of money. Not much money, but a little bit of money. Other people have terrible experiences, they end up with terrible families, and they don't do very well. It's a bit hit or miss. Some families apparently are hoping to get a cheap servant, and some apparently treat their au pairs very well. There is a wide variety out there. So, you know, I've heard the horror stories, I've heard the very happy stories. Your mileage may vary. Anyway, you can find an agency online and see what happens. I don't have any personal recommendations here, but I'm sure you can Google around. You can also work as an auxiliar de conversación. Auxiliar de conversación is sort of a language assistant. You could probably Google language assistant in Spain and get there. Auxiliar de conversación is a conversational helper, I guess would be a more literal translation. So Spain has invested a lot of money in their bilingual education system over the past decade or almost two decades now, basically as long as I've been here. 
The Auxiliaris program seems to be pretty effective at raising the general level of English in uh, Spanish people around, you know, at least the big cities, even if the program is sort of controversial among the locals. The whole bilingual system is a bit controversial. I might get into that another day. But if you are an auxiliar, basically, you'll be giving a few lessons each week in English, and generally you'll help the teachers out with some language stuff. It's approximately a half-time job, not exactly full-time, and the salary is about a thousand euros per month, which is not amazing, but it's pretty good for a less than full-time job. You can live on that, although not glamorously. A lot of auxiliares also have enough free time to give some private lessons on the side in cash, and they can have some extra money. Either way, with the auxiliares salary, you'll be able to rent a room, go out to lunch, travel on weekends in a sort of minimalist way, staying in hostels or whatever, and generally have a pretty good time. Pro of being an auxiliar. You have the visa worked out from the get-go. You don't have to do the whole process I did. You just have to stand in a few lines and boom, you're legal. Not all of us were so lucky. Cons to the auxiliar program. Well, I've heard that Spanish teachers in a lot of the schools are a bit unfriendly to auxiliares. This is the Spanish people who are teaching English or just the general staff. Here in Spain, you know, they love taking these huge government exams that give you a job for life. And if you just come in fresh off your university degree and start thinking that you're a teacher on their level, they might be a little bit offended or threatened. I've heard some horror stories about people being sort of frozen out by a whole staff of teachers. On the other hand, it really, really depends on the school. There's a lot of different schools doing this, and you might end up somewhere great. However, I'm not sure how to put this politely, but Spain and Spanish bureaucracy is not known for its high levels of organization and efficiency, so you might have to deal with that. I've also heard that your ideas about how children should act if you're from the US or the UK or whatever, the way kids act here in Spain is a bit more rowdy and rambunctious in ways that you might not appreciate. Another con, I guess, is the application process, which has to be done from home and which is probably sort of long and complicated. You get the visa before arriving in Spain, but it's kind of a complex thing. You have to go through a bunch of the Ministry of Education's hoops. You have to fill out a lot of forms, get a criminal background check, etc. It's not um, exactly easy, but thousands of young people do it every year. I'm sure you can pull it off if you want to. For more information, check out some of the active auxiliares groups on Facebook. There's one in every major Spanish city, as far as I know. There are several in Madrid, several in Barcelona, and if you're in Vigo or Avila or something, there's probably something for you there too. And here's another option. You could give in-company English classes. 
Another common way to make a living teaching English in Madrid is that a lot of Spanish companies have an in-house English teacher or more than one in-house English teacher giving classes. Maybe in-house isn't exactly the right way of describing it. But if you apply for a job at a language school or academy, they might offer you company classes first. You'll be subcontracted out. They will pay you, you know, part of what they get from the company. And the academy will organize things for you, just give you some students, and you're off to the races. Pros of this system, the hourly rate is usually higher than some other things. Your students can be fun. They could be pretty boring, but they could be fun. You might learn something from seeing the inside of a bunch of different industries. I definitely learned a lot from teaching in the different places I was teaching in back in the day. I was teaching like an important internet company, which gave me a lot of inspiration when I was starting my own online business. I was teaching at Banco de España, the Spanish National Bank, during the economic crisis. That was an interesting thing, too. The cons, you'll probably be running around town on all forms of public transport all day long. I used to crisscross the city for 16 euros an hour when times were good. Then, when times got bad in the economic crisis, I continued crisscrossing the city for just over 10 euros. It sucked, and I'm really grateful to be out of that game. Another con would be the early start. A lot of your students are probably executive types who want to do English before their real work starts. So that is usually around 8 a.m. After that, you might be free until 1 or 2. You might do a few lunchtime classes and then be free again until the evening. You're working when other people aren't, and it's a bit inconvenient. My experience with in-company classes was just that. It was 12 hours out of the house on most days, with only five or six hours of actual in-class money-making time. Then there's the issue of the management. Sometimes some rather shady, unscrupulous types end up starting language schools because they think it's easy money. I don't know if it's actually easy money, but you can have some pretty wacky bosses who will ruin your sleep at least. On the other hand, if you have contacts or more business acumen than me, you can probably find a way to eliminate the middleman, in which case you can earn pretty good money by dealing with a company directly. I know some private teachers who manage to work out contracts with companies directly, and they do very well, but mostly they've been around a while and they know people, and like I said, they have more business acumen than I do. Here's another good option. You could give private English lessons in Madrid. The famous clases particulares. I did a lot of this back in the day, a lot of this myself. Giving private English lessons can be fun and relatively easy money compared to some of the other options. There always seems to be a healthy demand for one-on-one -on -one classes. Now people do a lot of it online, which you could also try. I was doing it way back in the day for 20 euros an hour, going to people's houses, going to offices, going wherever. This was way back in the day, by which I mean 2009 or so, when dinosaurs ruled the earth and we all carried candy bar phones. 
The price seemed to be holding pretty steady at 20 bucks an hour. I never managed to charge much more, except for a couple of people who paid me 25 for a little bit. Most people seemed pretty set on 20. However, I also never had to go much lower than 20. Some teachers manage to position themselves better and earn more. I'm not sure how. You should definitely find one of those teachers and ask them some questions. The cons to this system would be the transport. Again, the main con is the transport. The students don't care that you took an hour to get to their house, and they're probably not going to pay you more because of it. This is logical. I know it seems unfair, but you don't ask the chef at a restaurant how far he traveled to come to work. He just has to show up on time, do his job, etc. It's not really relevant. So the transport might suck. If you live in a nicer neighborhood, you could find classes closer to home. If you live in a neighborhood where that kind of thing is popular, you could do pretty well. Or you could just suck it on the metro for nine hours a day. I was generally sucking it on the metro for nine hours a day. I was living in Bayecas, and so everything was far away. When I moved up to the north around Plaza Castilla, my life got better in that sense. Another con is that a lot of people are kind of flaky and love canceling classes. The best thing to do in this case is to work out a sort of prepayment plan where you keep their money if they cancel with less than 24 hours notice. Not everyone will accept those terms, but some people will, and it's better for you as a teacher. After all, you can't pay your rent with the money you were gonna make, but eventually didn't. So try to work out something like that and your life will be better. The pros to private lessons, like I said, the money is better and you can sometimes be pretty flexible with your schedule. Also, new students are relatively easy to find, except in summer, when the city grinds to a halt, or most of Spain actually grinds to a halt. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Finally, teach English in a language school. Teaching English in a language school can be fun. This is what I personally have the most experience with. This is what I did at least half the day for about 10 years. The other half I was doing company classes, private lessons, etc. So language schools can be fun. If you work in certain places, you might also have a block of hours, meaning you're not running around the city all day. I spent most of my time teaching English working in a language school that has since gone out of business, but I met a lot of great people doing it and I had a lot of fun. Most years, my block of classes was from about 4.30 to 9.30 p.m., so I finished late every day, but it sure beat the hell out of doing those early morning classes in companies. I should mention I was sometimes doing the early morning classes in companies and then doing the 4.30 to 9.30 p.m. thing. In the language school, you have to cobble together your own schedule most of the time because you're not going to get a full-time schedule most of the time from one place. Cons of the language school system. Well, the salary is okay, but usually lower than what you'll make on company classes. On the other hand, the block hours mean that you'll often make more per month because you'll be able to fit more classes into the day. Another con, most schools won't give you much help with the work permit. 
So you have to get that taken care of before coming, or you could do the thing that I don't recommend at all, which is do what I did and come without a work permit and work it out much, much later. Don't do it. It's a long process. It probably requires a lawyer and a lot of pain and suffering. And as usual, this is not legal advice. The only legal advice I'm giving you is don't do anything illegal. If you message me, I will try to help you, but I'm not an expert on immigration law. You really need to contact a lawyer. Anyway, the fact is that not everybody teaching English in Spain has a work visa when they arrive. You might be able to do a bit of under the table work, but I would never, ever, ever recommend you do something like that. Keep it legal, as I've mentioned. One final con, you should have a contract if you're working at a school, but not all contracts are created equal. There are a lot of different kinds of contracts. A lot of schools might give you some sort of partial contract in order to avoid paying your social security. Others will give you a contract which is only for part of the year and expect you to get unemployment um, to be as the British say, on the dole during the summer. A lot of people do this. To me, it sounds like a system that is a bit painful, but the language schools don't have any work during the summer for the most part, and so you don't either. So, like I said, if you're on a sort of partial contract where the contract only reflects 50% of what you're actually working, well, you're going to have some problems because unemployment will be calculated on how much your contract says, not how much you are actually working. Anyway, when you're looking for a job, just keep in mind that all language schools are different. Some are very well run, some keep everything above board, and others do as much as possible under the table. It all depends. You know, the government spends more or less time and money going after these people, and the situation can change pretty rapidly. It's also not unheard of for schools to pay late because the owner is out binge drinking everyone's salary. That's a story for another day. Anyway, can you make a living teaching English in Spain? I guess it sort of depends. The most I ever earned was with a mix of company classes and working in the language school, and that was about 1500 bucks a month. That was about 1500 bucks a month for three to four months of the year. Most months I was earning a thousand or 1200. And in summer, the long hot summer, I was earning pretty close to zero. So the pro of that situation is you don't really have to work in July, August, or partially September. It can be nice if you have a very minimal lifestyle and like uh, traveling on the cheap. However, nobody's paying you and it has to be really cheap. The pro tip from somebody who's been around that block many, many times is to start saving money in January so you don't spend the whole summer eating rice and beans while watching the contents of your secret money sock dwindle towards zero. I say secret money sock all the time. I literally used to have a sock full of 50s that I was saving from January until the end of June, and I would keep it in my sock drawer, and when the sock full of 50s started getting light, I would know that it was time for me to try to find some, you know, private lessons in September or 
beg my boss at the language school to give me something to do around the school. Anyway, a lot of expats end up going home for the summers or trying to scrape by on a few private lessons or maybe summer camps. You can do summer camps or online classes. You used to be able to do a lot of online classes with kids in China. I believe China has since cracked down on that. I'm not an expert, but you could try to do something like that. Again, it's not glamorous. You probably won't save enough to live like an aristocrat or even a starving artist in Paris because, let's face it, Paris is expensive. In the end, you can definitely make a living teaching English for a while, but I personally decided to get out of it after a few years. It was fun and I knew I could keep doing it, but I really didn't want to be 45 years old and doing a job for 25-year-old me. A job the 25-year-old me loved would not necessarily be the same thing I would be excited about 20 years later. So there's no disrespect to people who are teaching at whatever age. It just wasn't something I wanted to do forever. My final caveat today is that I have been talking about Madrid because that's where I lived for the longest time. I was there for about 13 years. Now I'm in Barcelona. I haven't been actively teaching in Barcelona, just running my online thing. So most of what I know is about Madrid. However, every time I've been anywhere in Spain, I do see that there are language schools. Any medium to large city would have something. If you have some experience living and working in some small town, please let me know. Go to expatmadrid.com and swing by the contact form. You could just go to expatmadrid.com slash contact and write me a message about your experience. I would love to talk to you about what it's like making a living as an English teacher in Valladolid or... Oviedo or something like that. I just don't know much about it, but I assume it is possible. That's the whole issue with Spain is that most people, a lot of people, I don't want to say most, a lot of people when they talk about Spain, what they're really talking about is Madrid and Barcelona, and they have no idea about anywhere else. I have some idea about other places, but only because of traveling, I really wouldn't be able to tell you what it's like living there. Anyway, I hope you have a great day wherever you are in the world. Like I said, expatmadrid.com is the blog. You can find all kinds of stuff related to Spain and generally life in Europe in the early 21st century. There's quite a lot there. You will probably enjoy it. Anyway, I'm out. That's all for today. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And we will talk soon. Bye.